Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Welcome into the Rocky Top Talk podcast. I'm Will Shelton alongside Joel Hollingsworth. Tennessee, a little bumpy, a little familiar for the Vols on Saturday, but I guess the unfamiliar part, Tennessee actually finds a way to get the win at the end of a close game and a blown lead over South Carolina. We think this week going to be a little easier. Uh, I know we thought that uh, coming into last week, especially after what Tennessee did to Kentucky, but I am pretty sure that one win North Texas is not going to have a sweating into the fourth quarter. Uh, and so we want to talk a little bit about where Tennessee has been and where they're going overall in the grand scheme of things. Also got basketball coming up at the end of this week. And so to do all of that, we are joined again by Josh Ward from Sports Radio WNML, host of Sports 180. And Josh, you're on like 17 other shows, uh, I know, at this point. So we uh, we appreciate you coming on and joining us again. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, it's fun time of year, a lot of stuff going on, but that's that's good for us. Indeed. So, you know, a lot of the narrative conversation that we've had on our blog is the same, I'm sure, that you've had with folks calling into the show in terms of, you know, eight and four is where a lot of people thought Tennessee would be. That was probably the majority opinion on where Tennessee would be coming into the year. It looks like that's where Tennessee is going to end up. But the way we got here uh, has been a lot more bumpy and and a a lot more uh, upsetting in terms of fan reaction and things like that because of how Tennessee had, uh, you know, a chance to be, so much more than eight and four, it looked like. Is there something, when you look back at the first, you know, nine games here, is there something that stands out to you in terms of what has surprised you this year with this Tennessee team, even if the end result is kind of about where we thought it would be at this point in time? Is there one thing that stands out as something that has surprised you the most about Tennessee so far this year? Well, that's a, that's a good question. Something that has surprised me about Tennessee um, Maybe the the course of the season. I don't, I don't know if that's necessarily about the team itself, but I, I didn't. I didn't. I thought eight and four. That was my record prediction. Like a lot of people, I didn't see eight and four going this way. I was I was very confident at the beginning of the year that Tennessee would end its losing streak against Florida. I was as confident as I had been at any point in the early part of the fourth quarter, and. Uh, <laughs> it didn't really go that way, uh, obviously. So, for Tennessee to be in this position where I'm, again, confident that they're, they're going to be 8-4, and four, uh, I guess that, that would be the surprise that it's played out the, in the manner that it has. But, I, you know, I guess that's the way sports work and certainly college football is, you know, we spend a lot of time in June, July, and August trying to figure out what these teams are going to be. And uh, most of them, you know, we don't know. I, I think a lot of people were – right on Tennessee in terms of what it could be as a team. Tennessee's a good football team. It has a lot of talent, and uh, I know there's a lot of youth, and that can be pointed to uh, for why maybe Tennessee came up short in some games, but Tennessee's youth was also good enough to get big leads against some of those good teams. So I guess my biggest surprise is just how Tennessee has gotten to the point where it is right now. I think, you know, when, when people start saying, and we've talked about this on Sports 180 before, that the question of when is Tennessee going to get back, I think you can make the argument right now that for what a lot of fans mean by 
quote unquote back and, and not some, some will, won't say Tennessee's back until Tennessee is winning an SEC or a national championship. But mm-hmm. the idea of having a legitimate chance to win every single game, including at Alabama, having the sort of talent on the field to be able to get that done, not with smoke and mirrors, but just with your guys going out there and being as good or better than the other guys. To me, we said this, Joel and I talked about this on the podcast a bunch. It feels like Tennessee is there. It just, it just doesn't feel like that because it didn't happen over uh, one defining win or one kind of moment to point to and say, this was the time and place that Georgia win. I don't know how that's going to stand the test of time, given what happens with Georgia this year. But to me, it it feels like a lot of what Tennessee fans wanted from this team and this program under Butch Jones has, has come to fruition. We're just a lot more frustrated about it than I think we thought we would be because we almost got even more than that. Do you agree with that? Is that kind of a sense of of what you get to in terms of folks calling into the show, the, the vibe of the fan base that you get that, yeah, Tennessee's back where they're supposed to be or where we want them to be. Uh, it's it's just not been as much fun because it was almost even more than that. Yeah, I found that I think some fans almost feel bad about feeling disappointed in yeah. in terms of you know you know what I mean. Like eight eight and four is the best. Assuming that happens, obviously if they lose to Missouri or Vanderbilt, well, fans aren't going to be happy with that, and they shouldn't be, but. Right now, let's let's say it plays out as as it's likely to that Tennessee goes eight and four. That's the best season Tennessee's had in eight years. So obviously that's improvement from where Tennessee's been. But it's also very easy to say what could have been, and what could have been is Tennessee holding on to a lead in the fourth quarter against Florida. And if everything plays out, Tennessee wins the East. So I, I think a lot of fans have said, well, yeah, it's definitely a better year, but. I also really wish we would have won that Florida game because it would have ended the losing streak and it would have gotten us to Atlanta. And I think that's a totally understandable feeling. <clears throat> now, uh, as far as just the season and the progress of the program, clearly progress has been made. I, I think the unfortunate thing in Knoxville and East Tennessee or just the Tennessee fan base the last several years is you know, it really is from the Derek Dooley run, but it's like if, if you say that you're not happy or you're disappointed, it's like you're saying you're against the head coach or the coaching staff, and that's not necessarily the case. I mean, it's, it's okay to be disappointed but still be supportive or recognize good things happen. You just wish more would have happened. So uh, it, it's been a, a year where Tennessee's program has clearly taken a step. I mean, you're right. Tennessee has, has played with every team this year. That's Florida, that's Oklahoma, that's Alabama, which might be the best team in the country, and that was down in Tuscaloosa. So even in those losses, there's something that's good to take. And the is Tennessee back conversation can really kind of just depend on how you look at it. And Josh Dobbs was at Media Days down in Hoover and and confidently said Tennessee is back. And in in terms of the roster and the ability to compete with everybody, yeah, that's true. Uh, others might say, well, we need to win a championship, as you mentioned, and I think that's a fair thing to say. My my take was this. Tennessee's back when it's still alive in the East race in the middle of October. I don't know if that was necessarily the case this year. It was kind of, but not really. But Tennessee's, Tennessee's close. If it's not back, it's very close. Yeah, I think that that conversation of how we define back is one, and it'll be a good one to have going into the next offseason because 
for a, a lot of fans and a lot of fans of, of my age, that early to mid thirties, when you remember and not just remember, but you grew up with the nineties, then your picture of what Tennessee can be is so heavily colored by, okay, we might lose to Florida, but everybody else, Tennessee's always going to take care of. And this is just a very different SEC um, than, than what it was back then. But, to me, that's just you're just not going to win every game every year. You're not going to win the SEC every year. And so, to me, there's just a valuable component of being able to say um, Tennessee can be in the conversation every week, and in doing that, they can be in the SEC and national conversation every single week. And I, I feel like th- there are still some kind of ceiling questions, I think, for Butch Jones left to be answered. But in terms of can he recruit and I, I think at this point, coach to get Tennessee to quote unquote be in the conversation every week, uh, regardless of opponent. I, I feel like he has answered that, um, and, and maybe the reaction. I ask this in part because you know we we're fans on our blog, and, and it's interesting to kind of go back and try to look at the fan base through the lens of what's happened over all these years. I think because there has been so much turnover, so much coaching change, football, basketball, that you know. It, it seemed difficult for us on our site after the Florida game to be able to both say, Hey, there are some egregious errors here coaching wise, at least to me and a lot of people. But also that doesn't mean that we need to go out and fire Butch Jones or or that that's the best solution. But I I think you're onto something there that there's a sense that those two things have kind of gotten married over the last decade really of saying, you know, any, any criticism tends to mean that the coach is going to get fired and, and any praise tends to mean that, you know, you're just a, a sheep or, or something like that. Is that kind of along the line yeah. that you're thinking with that? Yeah, t- totally. I mean, it's, it's almost like lines divided here. Um, and yeah, I think it, I think that's come from a lot of angles, you know, like I, I thought Saturday after the South Carolina game, I, I mean, I thought you know, there, there was the uh, early on in the press conference, which I'm talking about needing more positivity and, and, this is uh, we're building something special here. Recruits want to be here, and you need to recognize that. And, yeah, he, he said afterward, you know, that wasn't the right thing to do, and he felt bad about it. I, I think he realized that probably didn't come across the right way. But you know, when I when I saw when I heard that, and the week before he kind of said, uh, you, you need to write more stories about this team being resilient. And I agree with him, by the way. And I think the most impressive thing that he's been able to do the first three years as Tennessee's coach in-season coaching is keep their heads above water because they faced adversity all three years. And a lot of teams, one out of three at least, are going to say, you know what, let's pack it up. And none of those teams did that. Uh, they, they all kept fighting, and there's something to be said for that. Now, at some point, you need to get to the to the point where you don't need to rally mid-October from early season losses. But I'm kind of getting off the point there. But when I heard, when I'm, when I heard him saying, you need to do this, it's, I kind of felt like the reaction was that it's like Tennessee versus the media. And I don't think that's the case at all. I, I think, I think t- Tennessee media is just trying to cover the team and tell stories. And I, I think there are a lot of positive stories that get told about Tennessee. I just, I feel like, uh, I feel like we've seen fans go against each other and then maybe fans versus the media. And, it, and some think that it's media versus Tennessee. And I, I don't think that's the case at all, but I, I think that's just because it's, built-up frustration with Tennessee over a six- to eight-year period, and I totally get that because what's happened since Philip Fulmer was fired uh, seven years ago 
is uh, is really remarkable. And uh, go, go back to 2007, so eight years ago, the last time that Tennessee really had a successful season. Tennessee has a lead against LSU in the SEC championship game in the second half, and if Tennessee wins that, think about how different the last seven, eight years are. But Tennessee lost the game, and we all know what happened in 2008 and what's happened since then. I don't know anybody that would have predicted this. Well, of course, nobody did. But I think it's just created so much tension from all different angles. It's it's really been unfortunate. Uh, if if Tennessee gets back to, to to winning at an even higher level next year, if Tennessee beats Florida, I mean, think about how important that game is. A lot of the stuff I'm, I'm talking about, I think it goes away pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so too. But I think you raise a good point kind of about the full circle nature of this thing because – the idea of Tennessee being in the conversation every week, that was 2007, 2006, really everything after 2001. But there is that, that other level, that, that 90s, early 2000s, the kind of Alabama LSU level right now where you're not just winning games, you're, you're really, really winning games big. You know, there are, there are so many of those. We did some of these on our blog this summer of the what-ifs of what if Eric Ains doesn't throw two interceptions in the fourth quarter of that game. What if they don't, uh, you know, in 2006, what if they don't run a, a, I think, a quarterback draw at South Carolina and he gets his ankle hurt and they have to play Crompton against LSU uh, and they lose that game? There were a lot of things, I think, late Fulmer like that where yeah, the nine went season. fumble in, in 06. Remember, he has that fumble and that's, oh, yeah. that's a pre-review era. So, you know, I mean, yeah, that, certainly that add that to the list. That season, 06, that was a really good team. Uh, David Cutcliffe's first year back, that was – a really good team, Justin Harrell's injury. You know, remember he played that Florida game yeah. with the biceps there. It was incredible. And there are so many of those where for those teams, that's the difference between winning nine and winning 11 or, you know, winning nine yeah. versus winning the East or whatever. So I feel like that's kind of the conversation where Butch Jones enters into now. That's the conversation we're having this year. What if Tennessee right now is looking at eight and four, but they very, they, they probably should be 10 and two. And you can play the woulda, shoulda game with the Alabama game and, and, my take on the Arkansas game is still that Arkansas is a team really kind of built to beat what Tennessee is defensively. But nonetheless, I think Tennessee is, is in that category now. Then it becomes the conversation of, okay, next year, how about Tennessee doesn't need as many of these close games? How about they're you know, doing a better job winning games big that they should win big? And I feel like that is still a question that surrounds Butch Jones. And, and for some fans, it's still a question that surrounds Mike DeBoer just because of there seems to be this recurring issue of take the foot off the gas, go conservative, uh, things like that. Do you think that that narrative of, um, which to me has become the dominant narrative of the fan base at the moment of blowing leads, being too conservative, taking the foot off the gas, not maximizing maybe the, the talent that you have to win bigger games and play fewer close games. Do you feel like that is, that's been a legitimate kind of concern or, has that been fans being maybe too critical on Mike DeBoer, too critical on Butch Jones for what's happened there? Well, I, I think sometimes or a lot of times criticism can go over the top. I think a lot of it's been warranted and justified. In some ways, the uh, results speak for themselves. But even against South Carolina, uh, Tennessee comes out firing, and, uh, and Alvin Kamara has a big start. And then where is that? and uh, the, the rest of the way. I, I think that's a legitimate question you asked uh, in the middle of the game. And then think about South Carolina comes back in the second half, ties things up, so Tennessee is pressured again, 
boom, the offense clicks and um, moves down the field and scores quickly. Now, is that all on the staff? I'm sure it's not. I, I'm sure there's something to players kind of taking their foot off the, the gas as well. Now, also, where does that mindset come from? So you can you can kind of raise questions, answer them, and then those raise other questions as well, I'd say. But, yeah, I think a lot of the criticism has been uh, warranted. I, I know that, that that play, which is not the reason they lost to Oklahoma, but the, the third and one, don't get it, so on fourth and one, kick the field goal instead of going for a touchdown. I've just talked to too many players that say the team absolutely pays attention to that and your decision there is something that the players feed off. I've heard too many players say that to not think there's something to it. So, again, that, that's one play. And Tennessee didn't lose to Oklahoma because they kicked a field goal, but it didn't help matters either. So, yeah, I, I think criticism has been warranted. It, it doesn't mean I, – I don't think that we need to be pounding the table and, and screaming and shouting, but I, I think there's a legitimate kind of thought, maybe, maybe it's a fear that you, know, you can look great when you, when you kind of are – pressed up against the wall and you have no other choice like you're down 24 to 3 against Georgia let it go uh, you're playing against Alabama let it go you have a big lead against South Carolina pull it back and then you you raise your eyebrows and say what's going on I think I think fans have a legitimate fear about that I think they also kind of look at the end of the Lloyd Carr Michigan era and say hey it, it could happen to us too and part of that fear also comes with look at next year you, you know what you are this year look at next year you have a senior in Josh Dobbs Derek Barnett, Jalen Hurd's class, they're juniors, so some of those guys, that's their last run, and then they're going to go pro. Next year, you can win a championship. You get Florida and Alabama at home, so maybe it's like it's premeditated fear that, <laughs> that, that, could, you know, that that could come to fruition and you lose that lead against Florida at home next year. If that happens, well, uh, it's, it's not going to be a, a pretty week. We'll, we'll take plenty of calls in Knoxville, but uh, it won't be a pretty week. Yeah, see, I think that's the kind of – put it in your back to use a Butch Jones phrase, put it in your back pocket and hang on to it with Mike DeBoer. We had yeah. both when we had, we had Spencer Hall on our podcast and we had Brian Cook from, from M go blog, the, the oldest Michigan blog there is. And we talked about DeBoer. We talked about both that DeBoer coached with two of the greatest Michigan defenses ever and, and two of the best college football defenses of the last 20, 30 years, especially the one with, with, uh, with Woodson in 97. So that helps, obviously, your offensive coordinator when 21 points will just about do it against anybody. But there's this line that we floated on on both of those podcasts that DeBoard has an offense that scores and an offense that doesn't. Um, and it's it's one of those things that I, I desperately don't want to be true. And I don't think right – again, Tennessee is looking at their most successful season since 2007. I, this isn't the time for that controversy. But I do think if Butch Jones continues to recruit as well as he does, there will come a point for everybody in this conversation to say, with the talent that Tennessee has versus the talent that everybody else has, other than, than Alabama and if they happen to catch LSU maybe, um, then why are these games if, – if you're coaching this way, maybe you have games that are close that shouldn't be. Uh, and that, I think, is a question a lot of fans have is, with Mike DeBoard, is Tennessee going to win – is Tennessee going to whip somebody other than Kentucky by 30 points uh, in the SEC? And, and this is down the line, but I can just see and feel like you said it's a little premeditated. It, it's it's like a conversation you don't want to have a year from now, but there's kind of just enough evidence to say uh, we gotta we gotta keep our eye out for that. We gotta watch out for that. 
Yeah, and uh, I, it's almost like if there's no bad off-field news or off-court news, considering the way basketball has gone the last couple of years, haven't Tennessee fans just become conditioned to expect to wake up one Monday morning and find out something really bad happened over the weekend or there's some other kind of NCAA issue? So that kind of bleeds over onto the field as well because, honestly, the last several years, there hasn't been much on-field conversation. I mean, for football, it's been about trying to get back to a bowl game, and there's only so much you can say about hoping you beat Vanderbilt in November to become bowl eligible. So it's really the first on-field conversation we've had about Tennessee trying to do something from you know in a, in a championship conversation in a while. It's almost like a it's like muscle memory, you know, for fans yeah, for yeah. Tennessee being back in championship conversation. But Butch Jones has clearly brought the players in. I mean, the, the roster is much improved. They they still have some weaknesses in, in some spots, but and let's be honest, that's that's the case everywhere in college football. Next year, Tennessee will will have a team that should be very mature as in, as uh, experienced as anybody in the country, and you know, there won't, won't be youth issues, and uh, and they will they will have some kind of success the last couple of years to feed on back to back bowl trips, the seven or eight wins. If they if they finish seven and five, that's obviously disappointing, but they have some kind of success to build on, and they will have been competitive in every single game this season and will have had a shot to beat Alabama, Tuscaloosa, and beat Florida and, and Gainesville. It's just that next year has to be a year where they win those games. You know, they don't have to win them all, uh, but you know, if, they, if they go if they go 6-2 and two in the SEC, I, I think they're beating Virginia Tech. I think they're going unbeaten non-conference. And, and you know, think about that. That's been a fact over the last several years. They've played these games. Oklahoma and Oregon before this year that they frankly weren't going to win, and then of course lost to Oklahoma this year. This should be four and zero non conference next year. So you know, getting double digit wins is very possible, and I would say likely. And if if they happen to if they happen to go seven and one in SEC play, well they're probably winning the East in that scenario. And if that's the case, they are playing in Atlanta for a chance to win the SEC and go to the college football playoffs. So. And that's how close they are. They just, you know, they need to, they're knocking on that door. They, they've got to actually walk through it. And next year sets up, I think, favorably to be able to do that. Yeah, again, I think that's a perfect example of why this whole conversation about Tennessee and the fan base has gotten so weird because I, I agree with all of that. I think, you know, 10 and 2 or better next year is, is kind of what you can realistically look at. I, I think 10 and 2 would, would be, no one should consider that to be a, a poor year uh, next year or really almost any year unless you're Alabama. But um, at the same time, it's it just feels so strange to be legitimately so close to that kind of an idea of Tennessee could be in the playoff next year um, and still right now feel like, well, for so many people, I don't know about Butch Jones. I don't know about Mike DeBoard. And that's just kind yeah. of that's just kind of how it's how it's played out and where it is right now. Yeah, when, I, think, uh, I think there's cautious optimism, which is certainly understandable as well. I mean, we, we are waiting to see if Butch Jones can do it. Uh, but Clemson fans have been waiting to see if Dabo Swinney can do it. He's he's won a lot, 42 games in four years before this year, and he, he won an ACC championship. So he's won at a high level, but can he, can he break through and get Clemson to the playoff? And obviously Clemson's in a really good position to be able to do that. Uh, I, you know, I think Butch Jones can, can and can do it and actually doing it are obviously two different things as well. But, you know, Will West and I were talking about 
uh, Monday next season and a record and and you know what would be what would be a really successful year and you know will mentioned nine and three and I said well nine and three is probably nine and three with a five and three SEC record and five and three probably keeps Tennessee out of the SEC championship game and I mean that's that's probably the case so nine and three would be again better than we've seen since two thousand seven but I think you could say, hey, that's a good year, but also disappointing in terms of not winning the East. It's like Ole Miss this year. Ole Miss now probably is not winning the West. Clearly a good year, but it's also okay to be disappointed that Laramie Tunzel's class, at least those star players that are going to go pro, Laramie Tunzel and Robert Kandichi, they're not going to an SEC championship game. So you can call it a good season, but also find some of the results to be disappointing. So it's just, but I'll say this, it's also, isn't it, fun that we're talking about this again instead of I, I got so tired from 2010 to 2014 every year saying hey if you win six games way to go because before that we never talked about this so to actually to, to have Tennessee back in the championship conversation for that to be a possibility that tells you at least that Butch Jones and his, and his staff have done something good just to be there at some point fans will of course demand for you to to, to pull it off yeah, I I feel like me and I think a lot of folks on fanbase, it's I, we have like residual Conzo Martin fatigue. Of mm-hmm. you yeah. had you had a good year, and why am I having to convince people? So so you know, like you said, this is awesome. It should be awesome that Tennessee is legitimately able to be in that conversation. Why am I having to work so hard to to try to convince people that that this is awesome and great? And uh, you know, some of it is just what's happened the last few years. Some of it is. I think who some people have a, some percentage of the fan base has kind of allowed that to affect them in terms of how they've become or things like that. But it's a uh, that's what I always try to tell other fans is look you don't after what Tennessee has been through in this last almost decade you don't want to miss the opportunity to celebrate um, and and I agree I mean I, I think you finish eight and four even if you win or lose the bowl game you're going to talk about Tennessee as a legitimate straight face contender next year. And that's, that's something I think to Butch Jones credit and, and all those guys credit uh, needs to, needs to be appreciated and enjoyed uh, as much as, as much as possible. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, yeah, next year, Tennessee is going to be a top 15 preseason, a top 15 team. And think about how big of a story it was this year. It was, it was breaking news that Tennessee was in the preseason poll at number right. 25, you know, so you know, being in the polls is not going to be a big deal next year. Where they are might be. I mean, some some people will, will put Tennessee in the top ten, I would bet, next year based on the talent. And uh, I think Tennessee will enjoy more hype. I mean, if Tennessee wins out and finishes nine and four with the bowl in, yeah, there will be a lot of uh, Tennessee talk in the offseason. You're right to mention, you know, Conzo Martin and basketball. It all kinds of goes together. The football and basketball, it's just – really been an emotional ride for Tennessee fans. You think about the Lady Vol name, and uh, yeah, there are a lot of Tennessee fans that really want to see baseball do well, and that, and that struggled. So uh, that, you know, I mean, the, the field conditions become, you know, an emotionally charged conversation. It's, it's just been some kind of time in Knoxville, but personally speaking, you know, hosting a, a show every day in Knoxville, I'm thankful for it. I mean, it's, it's good for us. I'm, I'd rather be in a place where, Sometimes you get a little crazy, and I, I think sometimes the conversations get a little out of whack, but at least people care. Uh, Tennessee fans truly care uh, really about more than football. And I think, think about this basketball season. Well, I don't know, but I would bet that every morning Tennessee fans are going to have to wake up to see what's going on with T. 
Tennessee basketball, but also check the Auburn score and check the, the late night Cal score. It's going to be a it's going to be a wild few months coming up for Tennessee fans still as they transition to the basketball. No doubt. Um, when you look at uh, Tennessee on the field next year, when when we have this, can Tennessee win the SEC next year? Is is there one thing that jumps out to you right away in terms of saying, okay, Tennessee's got to do this in order to really be taken seriously in that conversation? I know there's a growing correlation between when Josh Dobbs runs for X yards, which can also be when Josh Dobbs doesn't get sacked X number of times, then Tennessee is really successful. Uh, I think there's questions at, at, going to be questions at safety, no doubt. Is, is there something in particular where you say, if Tennessee does want to be taken seriously for this, they're going to have to address this particular issue? Yeah, there are a few. Uh, I would, if we're going to start the conversation, I would say it starts with being great up front. The, the offensive line has improved clearly from where it was a year ago. It needs to be better uh, and, in some cases, um, elite, so among the best, at least, in the SEC. And I think that's a possibility. Uh, but on the defensive line, they need to become great. And, and I guess I should say up front, just not just the defensive line. But you really hope that giving a full offseason to Khalil McKenzie and Shai Tuttle can make them stand out defensive tackles next year and uh, that may that may seem quick to some but not really i mean if you're that level talent year two is typically where you've lost and become a, a great player Derek barnett will be a junior uh jalen reeves maben yeah he his he's already one of the best linebackers in the sec so assuming he's back and, and he's going to go there then yeah, he, he should be preseason all sec so garen kirkland jr he comes back as a sophomore add him to the list he he needs to become you know, an elite-level SEC linebacker. If that happens and they can create a consistent pass rush and be really good up front, they can absolutely win the, win the East and win the SEC. Look at the stories that have been written over the last 48 hours, what Alabama's front seven on defense did against LSU and Leonard Fournette. I'm not saying Tennessee has to be that level, but look at what kind of difference that can make. You win a national championship if you're great up front. So if they are that, That'll help the safeties as they transition new guys into starting positions and they try to grow their corners. Uh, we, we can go into a lot of stuff about the receivers improving and coaching, but you're great up front on offense and defense. That'll cover up a lot of other things. All right, one basketball question, Josh. We'll get you out of here. Trying to measure success for Rick Barnes in the first year. It's, it's really – I wrote about this today. It's, it's strange that – Tennessee's on four coaches in six years, and, like, all four of those guys, you, you didn't have a dud in there. All four of those guys are currently considered to be good to great game day coaches. I, I know Donnie Tindall off the floor has got some issues. I know Conzo is, is, is a hot-button issue for some Tennessee fans still, but right now Pearl, Conzo, Donnie Tindall, and Rick Barnes all considered to be those are good quality game day coaches. So yeah. it, it's it's been more than a decade since Tennessee went below 500. I thought we were going to have that last year, and then Tyndall really got a lot out of those kids to get to 16 and 16. So if it is you know, 12 and 18, 13 and 17, whatever, this generation of Tennessee basketball fans hasn't seen that. You've got to go back to Buzz Peterson. So it's so fascinating to me with Barnes coming out and saying the things he's saying about going to the NCAA tournament and going with worse teams than this or less talented teams than this. Versus looking at the roster, looking at Josh Richardson playing in, in Miami and maybe being the, the beneficiary a little bit of a trade today uh, with, with maybe some more playing time. 
How do, yeah. how do we measure success for, for Rick Barnes in this first year, given all of that situation? Yeah, I think if, uh, if Tennessee's able to make a run to the NIT, I think you'd take that and run with it. I've, I've honestly been impressed and uh, appreciated that Rick Barnes has talked about the NCAA tournament. Maybe he blows us away and, and makes a run there. I just I don't see that right now. Uh, if Tennessee's able to get to the postseason, I think I think that's a really successful year. It's just it's a big transitioning time. You know, last year's roster was clearly limited. It helped to have an NBA player to make up for that. And, and a year ago, we didn't really talk about Josh Richardson being an NBA player. Not realistically, that kind of came about as his senior season went along, and he was so terrific. But uh, I, I don't see that right now with this team. Now, what helps is the non-conference home schedule right now looks remarkably weak. So there are a lot of games that Tennessee should be able to win at home. Going away from home for non-conference games going to be pretty tough, I mean, starting Monday with Georgia Tech uh, but down in Atlanta. But I think if Tennessee is able to at least match what it did last year or you can do better slightly and get to the NIT, I think that would be a really nice year for Rick Barnes. I, I do think that they'll at least play a style. There, there's going to be a lot of scoring probably both ways <laughs> from, from Tennessee <laughs> and from Tennessee's opponents. But I think it'll be pretty entertaining uh, for Tennessee fans to watch. That's something that helps as well. If, if you're not going to be a great team, at least be a fun one for your fans to, to come out and support. I think that'll happen. Uh, defensively, they've got a lot of issues right now. They, they seem pretty concerned. So they need to get a lot better as the season goes along. But, yeah, the, like Tennessee's picked near the bottom of the SEC again, like they were last year, like they were Conzo Martin's first year. I think like both of those years, Tennessee will finish better than that. It's a league where I don't think there's a great difference between team number five or six and number 11, 12, maybe even 13. So I think it'll be a really uh, fun year to watch Tennessee play basketball, but I think there will be some growing pains. This is the kind of team I think where you'll pull off uh, a really nice win and fans will say, hey, look, we turned the corner, look at us the rest of the way and then suffer a head-scratching loss the following game. I just think it'll be that kind of year. But I think a team that fans will find to be worth supporting. And I, from everything I hear about Rick Barnes and what I've seen myself as well, uh, and that, you know, there was this thought that he'll come in and he's kind of just going to mail it in as his career winds down. He's not really that motivated to win at Tennessee. I don't think that's the case. Players have raved about his hands-on approach. I think he's been uh, been more involved maybe than people expected. So. That's something I think fans will get behind as well. All right, very good. You can check out Josh every uh, weekday from noon until 3 on Sports 180 uh, at Twitter at Josh underscore Ward. Josh, thanks again so much for joining us. Really enjoyed the conversation and and always good stuff. Yeah, always fun. Uh, Thanks a lot, Will. Always enjoy having you on Sports 180. Thank you, man. All right, Joel, we'll uh, bring you in here for a couple thoughts before we we close. Um, This obviously last week against South Carolina has changed a little bit of, of the uh, the expectation of Tennessee's going to come in here and roll over everybody at the end of the year. We talked on the podcast last week about being okay with the idea of Tennessee wins one of these games close. I don't think it's some kind of uh, definitive statement on see they underachieved or anything like that. Now that we have won one of these games close and got that out of the way, how differently does it make you feel? Again, we don't anticipate any issues this week, but how differently does it make you look at Missouri and, and Vanderbilt, who 
played really well defensively against Florida, almost won that game in the swamp. How much has the performance against South Carolina changed kind of your level of optimism or expectation of exactly how good this team should be the last three games of the year? You know, I think it's just uh, added a heaping tablespoon of caution into the stew. You know, I, I still feel like uh, we're going to get eight and four. I still feel like we should beat those teams just because they have um, some serious deficiencies, um, mostly on offense. But um, not knowing whether uh, the team that we think we have is going to be consistent or is going to be, uh, you know, the team that we think we have at any given moment is a little disconcerting, um, especially because the thing that tends to vanish into thin air is the offense. And the two teams that we're concerned about still are strong on defense. So those two things, uh, when you put them together, uh, make you a little bit nervous, um, Fortunately, though, I don't think that they can uh, uh, score very much, and uh, we should at least be able to uh, pull it out. Probably what probably what will happen, here's my prediction now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, we'll score 14 points in the first two drives and never score anything again and <laughs> still win. <laughs> yeah, that's what we want is just more continuation of, of narratives uh, so we can, as, as we were just talking about, we can win, but still not enjoy it. Um, so yeah. it's that, that's go ahead. Yeah, the the thing is, you know, I was just reading before we got on the podcast. <clears throat> um, uh, DeBoard getting asked why Dobbs didn't run more. Uh, have you seen that? I, maybe it came out of the press conference earlier today or something. I, I have not. Well, and he goes, well, you know. Uh, uh, I'm not the one to talk about injuries, so I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> Butch talks about injuries. But that was just a decision I made not to run Josh Moore. Um, and so basically that's saying that he just decided we can win without doing the thing that we know is key to this offense humming. Um, and they decided to do that uh, basically because uh, Dobbs has some mysterious foot injury that's not – you know, not going to keep him out of games, not going to keep him from running if he has to, but will keep him from running if he doesn't have to. So knowing that little piece of information, um, I still feel comfortable that we'll be okay. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. And, and again, that goes along with a lot of what else we've heard from DeBoard and what we talked about tonight of you you can win, you can minimize risk and win doing your thing um, and, and it's just not as much fun as it would be to to win by 20 or 30 or uh, or whatever the case may be. Um, it, anything in particular from, from what Josh and I, I know it turned into a lot of kind of fan base mentality uh, sort of stuff. Any Anything in there you, you uh, wanted to touch on or, or disagreed with or, or anything like that? No, I, I love that whole conversation. Uh, the phrase that keeps coming back to me is, is muscle memory. Uh term that he used and uh you know i think that's so true uh the way i see it is it's sort of i think everybody experiences this but uh parents probably experience it more than most and that is that you uh you have sort of a uh gas tank full of stuff or maybe it's like a, a tea kettle okay and you walk around, and 
when when the kids do something that irritates you, you get a little more impatient, and but you know it doesn't come out. Uh, but then it keeps adding up, and then it starts coming out, and then pretty soon you're walking around all day at nine out of ten. So the least little thing puts you over the edge, right? And that's sort of where we're at as fans. We've had seven years of frustration, so the least little thing gets us going again. It, it's like putting a quarter in our jukebox when we see the same thing, you know. So <clears throat> uh, I think that's sort of why um, Tennessee fans tend to uh, sort of revert back to all of the old things they've been repeating for seven years. Um, and uh, he also said something about uh, – I think he said that a lot of that will disappear if we beat – uh, pretty quickly if we beat Florida next year. And uh, I think it will sort of disappear for a little while, but it will come back immediately again the next time something like that happens. Because it just takes time for that for your tank to empty, you know. So I think we're just going to have to get sort of used to seeing uh, overreactions for a while <laughs> until we're consistently uh, – until our, our expectations are – sort of recalibrated to a healthy level because right now we've just been so volatile back and forth for so many years we're just trying to look for we're in a tailspin looking for a little bit of stability yeah i feel like we skipped a step in terms of taking tennessee seriously as a playoff team next year we skipped a step we all thought would be there in terms of the win-loss column i don't think people thought tennessee would go from Eight and four, and this is why the bowl important. The bowl opponent is so important. By the way, if you're nine and four with a win over Nathan Peterman in the Belk Bowl, um, that that's worth a lot less than nine and four, and you beat Florida State or Michigan or or Penn State or North Carolina. If North Carolina hangs on here the rest of the regular season and, and keeps playing well, um, to have another feather in your cap, other than Georgia. Um, I think that will be important. But I would still agree with everything we said earlier that I, I do think Tennessee is a playoff contender next year because I have seen them be more – I've seen them have the opportunity to be one right now and and just miss at it. So if you take wins and losses out of it, I think the, the, um, you know, the, the line graph of where Tennessee is is trending in that direction and should be in that zone for, for next year. It's just I don't think people I don't I don't think we thought it was coming eight and four going into competing for a championship. I think people were thinking it would be it would be nine and three. You would get the best of a, a, a Florida team that looked vulnerable this year to get one monkey off your back instead of going into next year where you know next year you're going to be trying to go undefeated in the non-conference for the first time since 2006 and. Uh, beat Florida for the first time since 04, Alabama for the first time since 06, and beat an SEC West team for the first time since 2010. We didn't we didn't get any of those. We got Georgia, but it's still a lot of haven't done befores um, yet. You know, is is Tennessee going to be mentally tough enough to go down to Texas A&M and win? I think so because they were tough enough to go down to Tuscaloosa and almost win. But those are all kind of questions I think that are going to persist until Tennessee's able to answer them. But overall, I, I think the Vols are still kind of trending in that direction uh, for next year, and that's exciting. And that's why I hope, man, I hope Tennessee gets a bowl matchup that folks are excited about. 
yeah. you know, that it, it, anybody in the Outback Bowl would be fine. Or if you're going Music City, you want Penn State, Michigan, Florida State. If they're if Florida beats them and they're going to fall down the ladder that far, um, that's that's what you're looking for. Um, and and it may it may come to pass, uh, but it'll it will make a difference in terms of how this team is perceived going forward and their ability to, if you go nine and four that way, you're talking about probably being ranked at the end of the regular season, uh, which would, which would cross another thing off the list in terms of first time since 2007, the Tennessee ended a season ranked. So. Yeah. Um, that's all right. Uh, also, um, Another thought I had while you and, and Josh were talking is actually two of them. You asked them a really hard question about um, how is it that we're fixing to be eight and four and yet still uh, disappointed. You know, how, it's so hard to articulate. I asked them that because I myself don't know the answer. Yeah, and uh, I don't think I have the answer either. Uh, so, but I heard you guys both attempt it, so I want to try once. <laughs> um, and, and I think it is because yes, we all sort of expected to be eight and four. Um, but, uh, the, the disappointment comes from, um, having the expectations, um, uh, uh, raised faster and quicker than we thought they were going to and having it right in our hand. I mean, basically we did end up being that, that mysterious back that you guys were talking about. We were back, but as we talked about last week, being back doesn't mean that the heartbreak ends. And it's right. just a different different kind of heartbreak when you lose a game that you uh, can, should, probably, maybe win. Um, and we just weren't prepared for that. What we were prepared for is being competitive, maybe getting close to some of these teams, uh, and getting and getting our eight wins that way, we, we, we sort of sort of thinking, okay, we have six, and maybe we can get eight. And instead, what we got was we had ten, and we ended up with eight. You know, so yeah. that, that's that's my attempt at that. But uh, the other thing is, um, we, we talk about uh, maybe. Uh, next year, this team being different and the challenges ahead of it, you know, what, these things that are still on the to-do list, the uh, anonymous lunatic fans list of things to do, uh, beat Alabama, beat Florida. Um, the thing is, the to do that, the team has to be mature. And, and I don't think we give enough credit to the fact that a, a team – needs sort of a collective um, journey of experience. You know, um, <clears throat> you got to learn how to tackle. You got to learn how to throw and catch and block and all that stuff. You got to learn how to beat uh, an opponent. But then there are a whole bunch of other things that you can't learn uh, very quickly because you only get a few opportunities to learn it the best way, which is through the experience of pain, you know, losing a lead, um, losing on fourth down and 25, um, fumbling on the one yard line, not kick, 
taking a uh, or not going for a touchdown against a good team on the one yard line. These are all lessons that we learned this year that hopefully will pay dividends uh, next year. Now I know that immediately people start thinking, well, you know, our coaches are not going to change; they're going to still make the same decisions. But I, I do think that there are lessons that that we've learned, um, like uh, taking the foot off the gas against uh, South Carolina or whatever little things that the players, <clears throat> because they haven't had a chance because they've been losing for so many years, um, now they've been competitive all season this year, and that's a whole different kind of lesson uh, that they've been learning this year that hopefully will pay, pay dividends. It'll turn them into a more mature team. And not only do you need experience and talent, but I think you need some of those uh, lessons some of what Dooley was calling scars, um, you know, the painful memories that that you tell yourself never again. I remember what that felt like last time. I'm not going to let it happen this time. So hopefully some of that will uh, come back and and make us happy next year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think we're two wins away from or, well, three counting North Texas, but you get to eight and four, then you legitimately can – maybe we'll just do this as a post. Uh, anybody, the team, the fans, everybody – you can sit down and watch that fourth and 14 play over and over and over and over and say, this is the difference between Atlanta and this, this is it. That's, that's, that was it. Um, yep. And, and not, not in a, I'm sure Butch Jones may not like it because it won't be spun as positively as it, as it could be amongst the fan base, but just the ability to say not, Oh, we're so close, but we had this, we had it. And if you want to have it next year, these are the things you need to do. You got to close that team down when you're up 27 to 14. And this is—I may have said this on the podcast before—but I think that was the biggest issue with with feeling disappointed is the first two and a half quarters of Oklahoma allowed you to believe that we were back, and it was just. When Tennessee was up 17 to nothing against Oklahoma and was making it look so easy, um, it, it just was unfathomable to anybody that they would lose that game. Uh, and they'd never blown a 17-point lead at home before, ever. So yeah. um, I think the, the false sense of, oh, we're back, and then two weeks later at Florida when Jalen Hurd scores on that third and nine draw play, um, to say, okay, you know, now, well, now, now, this is it. And to have that taken away from you twice in three weeks um, just just leads us to this. You know, may, maybe they could have turned it around if they had – or maybe they could have erased those memories if they'd beaten Alabama, but I'm not crushing them for not beating Alabama uh, in Tuscaloosa. So I, I think that's just kind of left us where we are, and then that becomes a thing is if this is, if this is reality, then you use it. You don't ignore it. You don't. You don't Pollyanna it. You don't try to say, "Oh, look, we were so close. We weren't close. We had it." Yeah. And you take that and use it for next year, and say, "If you want to have it again, then we need to be sharper and better." And and again, to to my point, stop trying to worry about what we do in these close games and and play fewer close games. Yeah. Because we're do that. consistently beating teams. Yeah. Do that, and it also somehow turns. The here we go agains into we've seen this before. You yeah. know, 
the, the difference being, oh, no, we had a 17-point lead. We lost it and lost the game against Oklahoma. Oh, no, we had a huge lead against Florida. We lost it, and we lost the game. And now we had, oh, uh, we had a 17-point lead against South Carolina, but it was okay. We got our butts in gear, and we finally pulled it out. So next year, you know, we, we instead of the sky is falling, it's like, oh, we've seen this before. We know what we need to do to get out of it. Uh, so you do that combined with the fact that, you know, what you just said, that, hey, you know, let's just stay out of those situations altogether. But if we get into them, here's what we do. Yeah. <sighs> we're close in terms of that conversation. Like, it's – we'll see. I mean, it, weird, strange, bad things could still happen against Missouri or Vanderbilt. But, I mean, we are we are close to going into an off season where we can spend – and it will feel longer and it will feel better where we spend all these months not saying um, can Tennessee make progress, but talking about Tennessee making the playoff legitimately. Um, yeah. Now, now, now that is one of the, as we're talking about these lessons that you can't learn until you've been there, um, this, you know, we're getting a chance here with uh, Missouri and Vanderbilt and maybe even North Texas, probably not, but, you know, uh, <laughs> You and I are sitting here talking about next year and, and making the playoffs. And, you know, the players, they're, they're 18, 19, 20, you know. And, you know, did we see a little bit of that against South Carolina? Hey, we're not taking – these guys are horrible on defense. We're going to beat them 40, 45 to 20, and uh, it's not going to be a problem. And we come out and we prove it to ourselves in the first two drives, and it's like, oh, this is a breeze. And so you let up and you go back to 9 out of 10 instead of 10 out of 10, and all of a sudden you're losing the game or – in danger of losing the game. Uh, you can do that going into a game too. Uh, you know, uh, so against Mur- Missouri and Vandy, if, if we don't have the right attitude, um, then we can get ourselves into a lot of danger. Um, and you know, that's that's a lesson that I hope we don't have to learn the hard way. Uh, a close call, you know, like we had against South Carolina, should be enough. Um, and hopefully that's all it takes for us to get out and uh, close those teams down convincingly the rest of the year and then turn that into something special next year. But, um, you know, that is a a significant danger because we're not used to – this team isn't used to competing for the college football playoff, you know, so that there are a whole new uh, set of challenges uh, next year from a mindset perspective, I think. I agree. So it'll be interesting to see if Tennessee can answer those questions here. Again, we don't anticipate any trouble uh, against North Texas, but against Missouri and against Vanderbilt. Uh, and then obviously we will continue to track where Tennessee goes for the bowl game as well. Basketball tips off here in a couple days. Tennessee has UNC Asheville Friday night, but they play seven games in 16 days. Rick Barnes is doing this thing where they are not going to play at all during final exams. So there are two weeks between uh, the end of their tournament in Brooklyn and the road trip to Butler on December 12th where they don't play. So you're going to get a lot of chances to see the basketball team uh, between Friday and Thanksgiving. Uh, we will have uh, coverage on all those games. Lady Vols getting set to get going as well. David Hooper, Chris Penley will continue to cover them uh, very, very strongly uh, as well. Our thanks to Josh Ward. You can check out Josh. Uh, 12 to 3 weekdays on Sports Radio WNML. I am on Sports 180 every Friday at 1.30. 
Our thanks to him for joining us uh, and, and giving great stuff, as he always does. Our thanks to you for listening. If you're listening live or listening later, we appreciate it. You can find old podcasts on iTunes. And so for Joel Hollingsworth, I'm Will Shelton, and this has been the Rocky Top Talk Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.